0: Hi, and welcome to the Community Colleges Australia podcast. I'm Emma Lancaster. You're listening to the final episode in the six-part series on governance and business management for -for not-for-profit community education providers. In this episode, we talk to four CEOs from prominent community colleges across Australia to find out how they approach funding. We look at how to maximise your college's chance of funding and what it means to play the long game, as well as how to ensure your organisation's sustainability and the importance of diversified funding. Joining us today is Kerry Johnson, ACE Community College's CEO and Principal, Gary Trainer, the Foundation Principal of Sydney Community College, Richard Vinicum, Director of Byron Community College, and Teresa Collignon, Chief Executive Officer at Macquarie Community College. First up is Kerry Johnson. Kerry, it's my understanding that Ace Colleges, based in Lismore, has been expanding recently, so I'm keen to know what your organisation's approach is to funding. We've been expanding in Queensland. If I just go back a bit,
1: we actually had a campus in Tweed Heads, on the very north of um, New South Wales, and we were getting a lot of students coming in from Queensland, but they couldn't access New South Wales funding. So we decided to move five kilometres over the border because the border runs right through Cool and we moved into Burleigh Heads and we got a government funded contract there so we were able to take Queensland students as well as still service um, the students on the very north at Tweed Head. So that was our initial foray into it and what we found in Queensland it's a different funding model to New South Wales so if a student is eligible and you're offering a course then they could just go into that course so there's no limit There's no financial cap to what you do. And also they pay monthly, so there was a regular income stream coming in. So to set up a new campus was a good idea there um, for us. And since then, we've opened up a new campus at Southport. Congratulations. Yeah, that's pretty exciting. And that was because of work that we have been doing with another partner in Queensland. uh, And they've been offering us some great locations for us to, to operate out of, as well as just their
0: their network of well, opportunities and connections. Kerry, I'm keen to understand, you said you mentioned a partnership and that's actually been something that's helped you move across the border and open up a campus. So how is it that you're identifying your partners and how do you choose to go into a partnership with another organization? We
1: actually moved across the border on our own. So that was Burley Heads. And then we uh, were approached by another, organ- another not-for-profit uh, middle of last year. And they'd actually been stalking us on Facebook. So they'd been looking at all of the um, information we're putting up, our posts, they started looking at our website. They felt that we were a really good fit for what they were doing and fitted in with their own values. And they asked us if we wanted to um, just have a bit more of a relationship together that we could actually, they could see some synergies between us. One of the ideas that we came up with for how we could actually get to know each other better, a real relationship, Uh, was to open up a campus. They had spare space at their location at Southport, a lot of spare space. They had two really large training rooms, a student room, another kitchen, reception and uh, they didn't have a use for it so we've been able to go in there we've completely redecorated it and uh, it looks like us and that was part of the deal we said it had to look like us it couldn't look like them and they've gone along with it and it's a really great relationship and it's been really helpful for us to move to the northern end of the gold coast the gold coast in general has a large population the largest population though on the northern end And that also extends our reach moving back into Brisbane as well. So for us, it's a really great location. It's one that we know we've got students in that location and workplaces that we work with. So it was very, very low risk venture for us. We're really excited about it.
0: How then do you think uh, you can best, for people who are listening who perhaps have a community college in other states, how do you think uh, they should be maximising their college's chance of funding? Because it sounds like you've got a really successful model, the way you're operating and the way you're expanding at the moment. What advice could you provide there?
1: Uh, The model that we're working on at the moment with that partnership one really works well in Queensland and a lot of that's got to do with the way that vet training is funded in Queensland So for us, it really does work in um, looking at how we might expand and that could be further up the coast as well and we'd be looking at that. We also do a lot of work in traineeships on the Gold Coast and that's Gold Coast and northern New South Wales and that's through the use of partnerships as well where we've partnered with large early childhood providers as well as aged care providers. So that's work there. In New South Wales, we really work to maximise the funding that we've got. So in our Smart and Skilled, we utilise... Every dollar, we maximise every loading that we possibly can to try to get the maximum out of that. And because we've got a large Aboriginal population in northern New South Wales, we often do like maximise completely all of the loadings. With our CSO grant as well, we're really, really cognisant of making sure that we equip that. So it's a really important part of my staff and their work is to make sure that we've got programs that equip that grant so that we never have to hand back money. And that's a really important driver for us in New South Wales is maximising the government funding that we can access. And in Queensland it's about growing the numbers because we're able to there. So we've had to you know, be quite resourceful in what we've done, develop things over a long period of time or use partnerships to try to expand our footprint. So that's how we've um, decided that we're going to be able to do that. And also, our, uh, moving into e-learning as well, that's going to be something that we are looking to use to really enhance the student experience with us, but also to enable us to reach other students that we couldn't before. For us, in terms of um, how we're moving forward with our business, we are sticking to things that we know, the qualifications that we know we can deliver, the areas we can deliver, the programs we can deliver... And that's been a really important thing for us. And again, that comes back to our size. And it's really important in all of our partnerships that we deliver on what we say we can deliver. So that's a really key point for us to make is don't veer too far out of what you know. If you're going to do that, you need to start doing that in smaller steps. But um, we're able to use what we know and expand on that.
0: That was Kerry Johnson, CEO and Principal of Ace Community Colleges. Next, we're going to hear from Gary Trainer. Gary is the foundation principal of Sydney Community College, a position he's held since 1986. Gary's dedication and commitment to adult education and training saw him formally recognised in 2018 when he received an Order of Australia. Gary has a long track record when it comes to the field of adult education and training.
2: At the moment, my role is mainly in educational leadership and administrative leadership. However, I do have a very large operational role here as well, while we continue what is an ongoing restructure of the college, which has been happening over the last six years.
0: And so that restructuring, is that a contracting or an expanding venture?
2: Well, initially it was certainly contracting. Uh, Now it is tending to be more in the expanding area, yes.
0: Well, let's kick off with today's first question. If you could tell me what your organisation's approach to funding is.
2: Well, Emma, I have a particular definition of funding. And uh, funding, as I have experienced it, is from a source such as government to an organisation, usually an independent, not-for-profit organisation, that government actually supports the purpose of. So the government supports the purpose of that organisation. That model, which was largely adopted and was the model uh, that uh, created community colleges, was um, rolled out in the 1980s. And it was used to build capacity outside of government. So services, evening colleges, for instance, were within government at that time. They were part of the New South Wales education system and, in fact, were created in the New South Wales Education Act of 1880. So they have a long history. So that moment in 1980 when government decided that what it really wanted to do was to distance itself from the delivery of those services, created a funding model which was to support organization that it believed in the purpose thereof. We have now in its place what can only be determined as the service purchase model. Uh, In this model, government purchases services to achieve a policy objective. These are contracts to deliver a service, Government policy will no doubt be short-term, whereas when when you view funding within the lifespan of an organisation, that can really affect the organisation.
0: When you're looking at ways to maximise your college's chances of funding, what is it that you guys are doing here at Sydney Community College?
2: We don't concentrate on funding. What we do is concentrate on, on sustainability. So we see that sustainability is the key to everything, that if you can't survive as an organisation outside of the current environment, which is funding based entirely on the purchase of services, then you've probably got the wrong model.
0: So then I guess a good question is what can colleges do to ensure their sustainability of their funding? You're talking about the need for sustainable funding. What is it that other community colleges around Australia? What should they be doing to ensure their future?
2: I think the first place to start is to really discover what it is that you are about. Whether the organisation's mission and vision are clear. Because if they're not clear, then it's time to go back to the drawing board and really think about that. If the mission is achievable, then work at the mission. That's what organisations really need to do. Think about the mission and think clearly about whether or not you are able, the organisation is able to do that. Then put in place the strategies that support achieving that mission. Now, some of those strategies may be seeking government funding over short-term contracts. There are risks involved with that. There are risks involved in all business decisions, but there are big exposure risks in just hooking your whole business model to the one, uh, one horse. So what can you do to ensure sustainability? Diversify your income as much as possible. Make your income as diverse as possible and be willing to shed something very quickly, but ensure that what you are doing always attends to what your purpose is. Otherwise, you're going to get taken down a road that takes you well off course.
0: That was Gary Trainer, the foundation principal of Sydney Community College. Next up is Richard Vinnicomb. Richard is the director at Byron Community College. He's established a unique operation that is locally based and stresses the importance of diversified funding.
3: Hi, my name's Richard Vinnicum. I'm the director of Byron Community College and I've been working at the college for the last 20 years and my role is to manage a regional program in northern New South Wales.
0: So, what's your organisation's approach to funding?
3: Well, it's to diversify the funding so that we're getting money from the government, people pay for courses and we also apply for project grants.
0: And has there been anything in particular that you've been doing uh, with your community college to maximise your college's chance of funding?
3: Yes, we've tried to apply for grants and get money from various sources. One of them is philanthropy, so for our business mentoring program we get money from various foundations and one of them is also from other government departments than education. So ones that support um jobs, ones that support health and the environment, particular targets.
0: So philanthropy, is this a new area um, in terms of a funding pool for you?
3: Yeah, it's a very different area because it's about building relationships with those philanthropic groups. It's quite interesting when you find a philanthropist that likes the work that you do and the kind of meetings that we have with those people because they're coming out of the private sector. Um, It's a bit different to working with government less bureaucracy, less reporting, but it does take a long time to build those relationships up.
0: How are you building those relationships, Richard? Have there been things along the way that you've learnt, just say for someone starting out now looking to do something like what you've done up in Byron?
3: Yeah, there have been some things along the way. I guess we had our own vision first and then we had to find that relationship afterwards. It became clear to us that With the particular vision we had, say, business mentoring, that there wasn't a government department that was necessarily interested in that. So it was looking at, well, even though the the program uses volunteers, it still needs professional coordination, it needs a whole lot of activity that costs money, Uh, we didn't want to charge very much, so where could we get that? And so we went to some of the people who were experienced in business in our local community. They had contacts, so we weren't just... We didn't feel alone in in building those relationships.
0: So you found a number of new partnerships in the region as well, is that right? Outside of philanthropy, in terms of creating partnerships that work well with the community college.
3: Definitely. We had um, people like economic development officers in councils. We had chambers of commerce... We had people who were working in regional development for the Commonwealth Government. So it was about having a whole series of kind of roundtable meetings and just throwing out ideas with some of these people before we really got the strategy.
0: And I think, you know, when you're starting something like that, there can be a lot of excitement and energy. How do you keep driving it forward and actually get a result out of it?
3: Well, one of the things is to get really early feedback from a pilot program and then be, you know, then have the enthusiasm of the people who are actually benefiting. One example is that um, there's a group that's formed called Women in Business and they felt like there wasn't enough for women re-entering Um, business life and or that didn't necessarily have the skills and the support to survive in business and they became a kind of a little cooperative themselves and came to us and said we need the help of this particular program which we called SAUDO. And, and the Soudo Business Pathways is now helping this group and we're getting, helping them get some funding. We provide venues for their activities and whenever they have something that's, a, that's of interest to the rest of the college, then that, that also comes back to, and helps everybody else as well. My, my uh, overall view of, as director of the college is to sort of see, to look at the relationships so that I'm always looking at the sum of the parts I think one of the dangers we often suffer from in community colleges um, and in the the government funded world of vocational education is that it's very siloed. You know, there's a skills list in New South Wales, there's smart and skilled funding, there's this sort of funding, but sometimes we don't get the big picture of what our communities want in in other forms of learning. That's not strictly about qualifications um, and in the case of business people that's certainly the case, and in the other part of the college that's to do with permaculture, there's, there's a qualification being funded, but we take an interest in what is happening with those students after they finish, and that isn't about a funded qualification. So we need programs that support people for a longer term than just the strict you know, area of study, the vocational study
0: you said that permaculture is something that your college is focusing on obviously you're in the beautiful Byron area mm. where there's just lush land all around is that something that you is new to your organisation investing in that permaculture space is looking at the demographic that's surrounding and wanting to provide those courses to them
3: well we've been in the space for about 10 years now you know researching it networking with other permaculturists in Australia and around the world Um, reading a lot about it and then finally we decided that we needed to actually offer serious courses in it and we lobbied the government to put it on the skills list so it's now funded at a certificate three and four level so and a lot of young people not just from our area but from around Australia are attracted to this course so that's been really great and then we're now establishing the Byron Center for Permaculture so we have a pr- outdoor practical site. We have relationships with landholders. So it's kind of, there's a whole ecosystem of learning. It's not just about growing and planting things. It's about design. It's about living. And that's what permaculture is. And it does suit our region. But I'm also, you know, happy to help other regions or other colleges that want to get into this space because I think it's such a, a wonderful thing to, you know, to be doing in the world. We need hope. We need courses that have a lot of hope in them. Um, especially with all the all the terrible stuff that's happening around, and this is this provides that sounds
0: wonderful. Now, is there anything that you can encourage other colleges to do to ensure the sustainability of their funding? And you you mentioned the diversified funding option that your college is taking. I
3: think, I mean, the example I gave you before about philanthropy is that uh, it's important to have at least three years of funding and stage it, have a pilot first. I think it's very hard to have projects that only get funded for 1 year because sometimes you know you you have to be able to make mistakes in that first year and sometimes you know need to build up the right teachers and trainers and and people facilitating those programs and that's a longer term investment.
0: Do you think Richard there are any kind of specific funding issues to a regional campus like yours? Are there issues around that or do you see them as opportunities?
3: Oh, mostly opportunities. I think sometimes we get a bit marginalised because, you know, we're not huge, we're not a, you know, a big sector and we have to be careful with our money and, and, and we're in a regional area. I think if we've got some partnerships and have got local government on side and we've got local businesses on side, that really helps a lot. And inviting politicians along when there's some kind of you know gathering but for me the best advocacy is students telling their stories that is one you know one thing in a regional community often you you know people talk and you you ask them why they've engaged in participated in something and you know it's often because they've heard about it from a friend.
0: Now Richard are there any final tips tricks or thoughts when it comes to funding in the adult education sector?
3: Look, I think it's important to have students paying for things that, if they can afford it. I think sometimes when we've done things that are very heavily subsidised or free that they don't necessarily value it. We've got a course that's about to start and the subsidisation for that course means some students pay only about $200 but some students pay about 2000 Well, you know when they've got a pay money that they actually do really value it and they want to finish. So I think some element of fee paying is important. Um, We're sensitive to disadvantage but also when people are prepared to pay money then that's important. The other thing is that We need to be in control of our own resources and so that means investing in intellectual property. That means actually developing material where there's not readily available commercial material that we can just buy off the shelf, that we develop or even customise material ourselves. So there's quite a lot of work that goes in behind the scenes with trainers and teachers who are being properly paid to do developmental work.
0: That was Director of Byron Community College, Richard Vinicum. Our final CEO to join us for this series is Teresa Collignon. She is the Chief Executive Officer at Macquarie Community College. She spoke with me about why community colleges need to measure their outcomes and get better at telling their success stories. Teresa also shared the lessons she's encountered while her organisation has been required to downsize after losing a significant government contract and why sustainability and long-term horizon thinking is the key. Now, are there any funding issues specific to your campus? I know there was a very significant contract and your organisation lost 75% of its funding pool that it was relying on. So how have you approached that? And it's really important, I think, everyone's always keen to look at expanding, but there are some lessons that can be learned when you're contracting. So what are those lessons that you've encountered, Teresa?
4: Yeah, we unfortunately didn't win a bid in a competitive tender process for a program we have been running for 18 years, beautifully, really high quality, flawlessly. And it went to another provider in a competitive process. And we envisaged that may happen, but thought it never would. Uh, However, I guess it's hope for the best, plan for the worst is probably the approach, which actually meant uh, spending a lot of time on the one of our business units, which had potential, and really investing in that, in people, compliance, relationships, marketing, so that if the worst happened, which it did, where we didn't get a renewal of the contract, which really was a all of our profitability which underwrote so much of everything we did then we at least had something to fall back on a long-running fee-for-service business and we've now been focusing on that as well to try and break that um, bring that into profitability a lot of expense management can we be more efficient can we do without so we've actually cut at least a million dollars out of our overheads because they were Funded and supported by one of our other businesses, which we no longer have. So we went from, uh, you know, being an $8.5 million business to a $4.5 million business. Uh, and we've managed to, in fact, become more profitable. But it's been very, very hard. And you've got to make really hard decisions, which is about retrenchments, closing campuses, what are you going to invest in? salary freezes, really tough decisions that impact your employees, your clients, their lives. But the goal is to maintain the college as a business, you have to make tough decisions. So uh, we've reorganised, we've restructured, we've done everything we possibly can to be more sustainable, which is not just about profitability. That's very important, but also about that diversity of where's the next business, what's our relationships, have we got stable staffing, how can we carry on?
0: And what do you think has been your greatest lesson through that process? No doubt some very hard decisions have been made.
4: I really think the biggest thing is that, well, what if? What's the worst-case scenario? How can we get ready for that? Uh, And I think what I've learned about is to really understand your risk appetite. So we're very fortunate that we have hard assets. We have some buildings, we have cash, etc. So we have maintained financial stability without profitability. And now we're trying to get back to profitability. And I think the biggest lesson is probably that the role of the board and the role of senior management is to look over the horizon. What Is it that's happening out there or in here that we need to focus on now that will make a difference in three, five, 10, 20 years' time? That's the sustainability thing and it's gotta be driven by your purpose and your relevance. And if you're not relevant and you're not clear about your purpose or your mission and your values, I think that you'll wander off in all sorts of directions. So strategy is often about what you choose not to do not just what you choose to do. So I think having some discipline around decision making is really important, but keeping a bit of an options open approach to let's try this over here, take small experiments or big, well thought through experiments and investments, but it's gotta be thinking over the horizon. It can't be next year we'll do this or this year we'll do this. And unfortunately the funding is often a year at a time. So it's hard to get out of the now thinking to be future-oriented, and I think that's the the really big lesson, take the time to think about the future and take the time to start working on the future now so that you have a future. Uh, So I think that's the hardest lesson is that uh, Stephen Covey idea of work on the not-urgent but-important quadrant because we tend to get bogged down in the urgent and not-important and the not urgent but very important is the quadrant that certainly at the board level and the senior management level, you've really got to spend some time.
0: Now, Theresa, do you have any final tips or tricks or thoughts when it comes to funding in the adult education sector, particularly looking at the next three to five years and what's on that horizon?
4: I really think that government is very much risk shifting uh, for many reasons, but it's all about employment outcomes for the vocational education and training space. If you can't demonstrate employment outcomes, it's going to get be harder and harder f- to secure the rationale to get more funding. So I think my tip or trick is to have in my strategy thinking, how am I going to measure this? How am I going to make sure I know with whether people are getting employment outcomes? And if they're not, what is it they're getting? And I think for the adult community education sector, there's a really big disadvantage that government does not value some of the incredible outcomes we get. So I think coming back to advocacy, measurement, the trends of the future, you've got to be able to prove here's the value proposition to government, to funders and to your own organisation, your stakeholders and say, well, this is what we do, this is why we're doing it, and this is the difference it makes.
0: That was Teresa Collignon, Chief Executive Officer at Macquarie Community College. This is the final episode of the CCA Governance and Business Management Series. Thanks for listening. This podcast is produced for Community Colleges Australia by Heaps Good Media, engineered by Miles Martignoni and produced and presented by me, Emma Lancaster. The series has been created with funding from the New South Wales Department of Industry. If you'd like to know more, visit cca.edu.au.